right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104. Now the horn, top of the charts Tuesday right here on Ball Don't Lie. Uh, all right, so coming up in a, uh, about 20 minutes from now, we're going to have a very special guest for Harsh Knock Life. Who you got coming up for the people? We have the great Ben McDonald, former number one overall draft pick in 1989, big-time pitcher for LSU, but he also does some commentary. He will give us a breakdown of LSU, what he thinks of them, and uh, what's changed since he was there in 89. I like that. All right, yeah. so uh, talking some Texas baseball coming up here uh, in just about 20 minutes or so. She want to make sure you stick around there. We'll make sure we get out early so we got plenty of time uh, to hear from Ben McDonald. In the meantime, we'll talk some Texas sports. We'll go behind the burnt orange curtain, talk a little Texas basketball. We'll talk some uh, Texas football as well coming up here in this segment. You can always be a part of the show. Hit us up on the Specs text line. It's the best way to do it, 512 337 Seven three seven seven six. You also can hit us up uh, via Twitter. Hardball Harge is uh, at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. I'm at Rod Davis in Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. All right, let's talk about this report first that has surfaced about Chris Beard. And then we'll get into Texas basketball a little bit. So uh, the coaching carousel, <clears throat> essentially in college basketball, has already started because Ole Miss <clears throat> and Kermit Davis and they said it was a mutually uh, agree agreement to part ways between them, but that has been effective immediately. And uh, he was in Oxford, I think, I don't know, four years, less than five years. So Ole Miss is open, and a lot of people even saw this coming and predicted it because yep. <laughs> Chris Beard, once it was reported that the felony domestic violence charges were dropped against him, and that would no longer be a part of the equation um, that he would resurface sooner rather than later. Yep. Where his name is already surfaced in connection with the Ole Miss opening. So, um, so now Keith Carter, a former Ole Miss player, um, he's basically so he's, he loves him some Ole Miss. All right, he's down for the cause. He's going to be the first athletics director to attempt to navigate what could be a public relations disaster if he hires, you know, Chris Beard. But also, it could end up paying huge dividends if you can navigate your way through that. Because I mean, obviously, this is a guy that has been considered to be one of the top coaches in college basketball before the unfortunate controversy, right? For him, so well, we, uh, Ole Miss's vetting Chris Beard is the story. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, we all knew this was going to happen. <laughs> we knew Chris Beard's name was going to be a hot commodity as soon as the charges were dismissed. We all agreed he will be coaching somewhere. We we don't know where, what circuit he's going to be on, and if this is going to be true. But I knew that going through the processes, and if everything got dropped, he didn't end up, you know, getting charged with anything. He ended up being able to walk. I knew that somebody was going to take a chance on him. Aside from everything that's going on off the court, he's a damn good basketball coach. Oh, we know and that. so everybody yeah. is going to, as you said, vet mm-hmm. the opportunity for him to be able to see if he would be a fit anywhere else. Ole Miss, I think that's why Ole Miss went on and cut the cord with their coach because they wanted to be the first oh, team to be able to talk to him. Get out ahead of it. Get out ahead of okay. it. Because as soon as they saw it, it seemed very quickly after uh, that. Upgrade. Yeah, they were like, well, let's go ahead and get rid of this guy because we want to be in the conversation of it. And if we find that he is suitable to be here, it is the SEC. Hmm. They've let some other things. We just talked about it yesterday, what happened with Alabama and their their coach is still pushing along and not having a problem letting his players play. So they're saying, 
Well, I mean, why not at least kick the tires on the situation and see what's going on? Yeah, we knew that whoever was going to hire him, if there's going to be a period of floating the name out there Do it to now. see, Yep, just to see how much our fan base is going to come bite back at us and go, oh, I will. So I'll take all my money out of this if you do this. And how many – let the donors call up this the, the athletic director. And he, I'm sure the athletic director all day has been getting phone calls, getting calls saying, hey, man, is this true? And he's going, well, maybe. We did. What do you think? You <laughs> yeah. tell me what you think. Is it yeah. true? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> because you got You want to judge all that before you even before you even really start vetting and vetting him. You're like, I have to make sure that my fan base is going to be cool with the hire. He's not going to lose your job. Yeah, yes. this guy. Yeah, yes. I don't want. I don't want the whole discussion to be, oh, you're talking. And then I got to my next hire. I got to make sure it's squeaky clean. Because if I even look at anybody else, they're going to think that I'm a crazy. Right. So I, I think it's Ole Miss, SEC. I don't. I think that that unless they, unless he finds more things when he's vetting it that he doesn't like that, that right. there may be another secret there, which you you hope's not there. Uh, Texas vetted him apparently before, so it, it does not seem like there would be. But that, it, without that, then it would look like they'd be okay with it, and then you can start getting into once one team vets him how many more teams are right behind them. Agreed. Yep. As long as there's no other baggage, this last incident being the only baggage, you go, well, the charges were dropped. Yep. Char- yeah. I mean, that's if you realize all you know is, well, charges were dropped and his significant other, I guess the reports are, they're still together. And then you also have her statement that, oh, no, it was, you know, it was something that I instigated, that kind of nope. stuff too. So I think in the court of public opinion, I do think they'd be okay. Right. Uh, I don't think they get. I don't think they're getting blowback right now from the report. The report's been out there for like two days. Yeah, that Ole Miss is vetting him. I guess I don't. I got to go reach out to Ole Miss people and see if it's a big story down there. Maybe listen to some sports talk down there and see if it's a yeah. big story to see if people are. You know, there's any blowback. I don't think there is. I don't think there will be, just because the charges were officially dropped. dropped. Yes, and I think that will be just their talking point. Cloud charges were dropped. The yeah, that's their selling point. That's where they said they're charge like, drop. yeah, they the Travis out. County DA did not feel like there was enough evidence yeah. to move forward here, so we uh, we don't good. feel like we I should hold that good. against him. Right. When the court of uh, the legal system did not feel like uh, that he did enough wrong to charge him with a crime, so yeah. I think honestly, it feels like the beginning of the hiring process for the with Chris Beard. Yeah. Chris Beard's not going to pass this opportunity up, is he? No. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe he. he Unless has he has something else yeah, that's going an, on. He probably got an agent that's telling him, "Hey, no, no." There are a couple of the schools that say they are ready. They're yeah. waiting. To also fire their guy. Right. It's, it's happening. They're not going to make the tournament. They're not going to do this. They're waiting on this, and they're waiting right. in the season. But there are two of the schools. They say they're going to fire their I guy. I think what Patrick said is perfect. They wanted to throw <laughs> it out there, get it vetted, see who else is biting, and and. You know, letting Ole Miss be the first one to mention his name as a possibility. See how everybody across the country reacts to it. I know. I haven't like, heard much. Right. I, I haven't heard like a lot of negativity and a lot of angst and, ang- and, uh, and anger he, about it. Because it was he was dismissed. So I'm saying like I have, I, yeah. I've been on social media looking at it and yep. I haven't heard a ton. Here, even here now. I haven't. I mean, we're not. No, I, I think also Ole Miss is like right at that right size school. Where it's it's not a big enough program where you're gonna have it make mainstream like it's not if he's going to Villanova, then yep. yeah, that's big news because he's going to a basketball program to take over a historic basketball program. Ole Miss is not a historic basketball program, so there's not as much of the prying eyes on it of like we have to protect our history. 
That's a good point. With, with Ole Miss. So it seems like kind of the right place where he could go for a few years to rebuild his his reputation. Yep. And, and I mean, if you're a school like Ole Miss and you want to win now, that's part of what Chris Beard's appeal was that he was always so good in the transfer portal that he could ma- build a team pretty quickly mm-hmm. for you. But that is also going to be the second part that Ole Miss is going to have to figure out is, okay, how much is recruiting and and transfer portal recruiting hurt because parents may not want to be sending their person to Chris Beard. That's also right. fair. So that that will also fall into the category now of, all right, when they're doing the vetting, we have to go talk to our recruits now and kind of look at other top recruits in the country and be like, hey, man, are y'all, y'all cool with this or are we going to have blowback where we're not going to get anybody no, it's a good point. No. This texture, I like this texture. That's a perfect text. Texture right says, "Hey man, Hugh Freeze coached at Ole Right, right. That's a good point. Hugh Freeze yep. coached at Ole Miss. They don't give a f. Right. Uh, yeah. And also, keep up what's hap- happening at, no- at Alabama right now with Nate Oates yeah. and yep. that basketball program. And yep. I'm not saying anything about the young man and his participation. I'm just saying there's not been any discipline handed down Correct. from that basketball program. They've decided. Okay, if, if the police aren't doing anything, we ain't doing nothing. Yep. And I think that Ole Miss will have the same type of mindset. Well, the police ain't doing nothing, so we ain't doing nothing. He's all good here. The SEC yep. is the perfect place for a coach with baggage. Yeah. Because they tend to, at, you know, I'm not going to say they do it more than any other conference, but they do get more high-profile cases of it, I should say, right. where they will look past baggage because they see the benefits of having that coach Irregardless of the history yeah. of that coach coming in, and like I said, there are tons of examples of it. Yeah, we'll go through all of them. But. Yeah, so and he will play Texas again. I think that'll motivate him yeah, too. Yeah, that will. You definitely. know that's part of it. It's like, uh, and by the way, you're gonna get to play Texas again. Yeah, next year. He's like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> fact, like that is y'all a ain't special... even gotta pay me for that game. <laughs> Y'all don't have to pay me for that game. Doing that one pro bono. Exactly. You know, he he might take that gig just to play Texas again. And if he goes somewhere else that's not in the SEC, he's going to put Texas on that skip. Like, no, I'll play Texas. Can we please play Texas? I really want to play Texas. Hey, before they hire me, schedule Texas before you hire me. And then (laughs) hire me. Oh, how about this? Someone says, beard back to tech would be hilarious. Don't. Don't that was saying don't, don't discount it. Out. Don't count it out, yeah, man. Right. He might. That, they I've might talked to plenty of tech people that said we forgive him, right? <laughs> and tech, you know, man, tech said, would love we forgive him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't discount. No, that Texas all. Tech knows about stuff returning like rashes and coaches. They know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would be pretty good though. That would be uh, Shakespearean in a sense. Um, yeah, someone says, could Beard ever be washed clean enough to come back to Texas? No, no. Texas is too prideful. Even if, like I said, even with the charges dropped and everything, Texas is too prideful as a university yeah. to essentially admit, like, ah, we, it, I'm not saying they messed it up, but then that would be them admitting, like, ah, yeah, we messed it up, we shouldn't have done that. Texas won't do that. They'll, right. they'll rather, you know, hire somebody else and essentially eat that crow yep. rather than hire Chris Beard back. That's just not the way the university operates. No, not at all. All right. You, uh, we'll get to some more Texas uh, basketball. Fact, Texas basketball number nine. Throw it out there right now. Number nine in the yep. AP top 25 right now. And that's where still they in should the top be. 10. They're still in the still top, in the top 10. 10. Well, because Texas does – they haven't had a bad stretch. No, and they're losing loss, to good not teams. Not a bad stretch. Exactly. And they are losing to good teams. So even when you can go – that the K State game that was a terrible game earlier this year. It's a bad loss. The team is number eleven in the country right now, so yeah. you can say they're they're actually hanging in there and playing good basketball. I, I the, uh, the Illinois game might be. I don't know. I think they've fallen off a little bit more. They're an okay team, but 
that might be against the worst team. They've lost Texas Tech is actually turning it back up now, and they're starting to play a little bit better basketball. It's a Big 12. You know you're going to take some lumps. It is the big thing. You cannot lose back-to-back games. And so this Wednesday becomes a much bigger game of, man, because if you lose two two in a row and then you got to play Kansas, that is not the way you want to be going into tournament season. Uh, I agree. So for uh, Texas at TCU, their next game, that's happening tomorrow. Yes. Actually. So we'll talk a little bit more about that and preview that matchup coming up tomorrow. Uh, but Texas baseball, big matchup with LSU uh, tonight. So we'll get into that coming up in Harsh Knock Life a little bit. Uh, before we do, though, uh, Texas Spring Football also next week. Right. Texas Spring Football practice starting up. Starts so, right up. <laughs> crazy that yep. it seems like it's happening that quickly. Uh, let me ask you, Arch, your, uh, what's your top storyline, headline, narrative, whatever it may be, for Texas entering Texas spring football for you personally? Well, here, here here's the biggest thing for me when you start looking at this entire breakdown of, of uh, spring practices. The biggest thing for me is going to be Quinn Ewers and his development. Um, obviously the quarterback position, we've been hearing it. You, you broke, you teased it a little bit earlier today, talking about Texas and the explosive offense that they are supposed to be heading into this season. What is his development going to look like? Is this the time where we see the fundamentals of Quinn yours grow even more? So is he at that point where he's taking this by the, by the, throat and saying Mm -hmm. this is mine because the competition is going to increase you know Malik Murphy I know a lot of people don't talk a lot about Malik but I'm a big fan of Malik I thought he was I thought he was going to get a chance to play in the in the Alamo Bowl I thought it would have been a perfect opportunity for the kid who has been working his way through everything the entire year I thought he was going to get rewarded for that but I also thought that uh uh, Jaden Blue was going to get the play, and he didn't. Yeah, so, are, so uh, we didn't get what we wanted. Yeah. So we're going to move uh, move on from that. But I think that's going to be the biggest thing as far as the chemistry with the wide receivers. How is Isaiah Nayor going to look? Is he healthy again? Is he going to be in that position to where people are going to be excited to watch him? Because I just hope he doesn't become mm. um, Troy O'Meary, right? We kept mm-hmm. thinking Troy O'Meary was going to play. We think mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be his big opportunity. This is going to be the year where he finally takes off. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, he he just never could get cleared, right? I'm, I've seen the videos. He looks like he's ready. Isaiah, that is. It looks like he's ready. But we'll see. How is this offense going to work? And most importantly, the backfield. What is it going to look like? We talked about Cedric Baxter. We talked about uh, uh, Jonathan Brooks. We talked about what they're going to do with Keelan Robinson. What is this offense going to look like, and are they going to be even better because of all of what they return? Yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest question is, you know, what's the offensive identity going to be overall for Texas, which obviously is a multifactorial, uh, you know, kind of breakdown there. But I, I think the offensive line for me is going to be the biggest. Concern or the biggest narrative, the biggest headline for me, and the biggest narrative that I'll follow all throughout spring, just because if Quinn Ewers takes the next step 
and you know, and I think that could happen, by the way. But if he takes yeah. a huge leap forward and becomes a a quarterback that's worthy of being an All Conference performing quarterback, that would be great. And I think that could happen. That's realistic. If the wide receivers who regressed last year, if that group overall, which has Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington, and you're bringing in some really talented guys like Jonte, you're bringing in some really talented players there. Maybe that becomes the focal point of the offense and the passing game is kind of just built around your really talented receiving course, all the guys that can beat one-on-one. But no matter what it's going to be, and maybe it's a backfield with Cedric Baxter and Jay Brooks, as you brought up, but all of those different elements of the offense can uh, regress potentially and they could all end up, you know, taking a, a a step backwards and it could also be a liability potentially if the offensive line isn't performing at a certain level. So for me, the offensive line, even if it's an average, you know, quarterback, average Quinn Ewers or the running game, it, the running backs themselves aren't special like Rojo and Bijan. I don't know if your raw receivers say they're on the same level they were last year and they were not a strength for you last year necessarily. If all those things happen, but your offensive line is a strength. Yep. I think it'll lead you to a easier, more organic offensive identity. So for me, I th- and, and based on the last two recruiting classes, your best player might be on the O-line. Right. I mean, Kelvin Banks at left tackle last year as a freshman, Stonewall, the likes of Will Anderson was going to be a first-round pick. Uh, you know, it, 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 what uh, the D- K-State D lineman, um, Udoka, right? Yep. Him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the uh, Iowa State D lineman? I can't think of the top of my head. Will McDonald. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Another guy that's going to yeah. be drafted really high. I mean, all of those guys are pretty much stonewalled by Kelvin Banks and didn't even have a sack against him. Right. He was one of the best offensive linemen in the country as a true freshman. And by the way, nothing. I'm not trying to bring this up because it's a sad thing. He had, he had personal things he was going through mm-hmm. as a true freshman starting at Texas at left tackle. Right. right, dealing with. I'm not bringing it up because I, you know, I want to get into that because it's really sad. But the young man was going through something emotionally yeah. too, yeah. and still was able to perform at a really high level as a true freshman. He may be the best damn player on the on the offense, no doubt. He said, but then him and J T. Sanders, I believe my man Jeff Howell pointed out on the podcast, probably the most irreplaceable on right. that offense. Correct. Hell, if if Quinn Ewers ain't getting it done, you're gonna put in Arch Manning. Are you gonna go with Malik? Right, that's right? what I'm saying. Say, you gonna, yeah, you gonna somebody be, gonna, you gonna have be high there quarterback. Yeah, and whether running back, if you know Jonathan Bruce can't get it done, you got the number one running back in the country in Cedric Baxter. Wide no receivers, doubt. you got options there. Where you don't have options is really at left tackle and tight end. Those guys are remarkably, remarkably, you know, extraordinary at what they do, and maybe some of the best in the country at what they do. And that's why, to me, the offensive line is where it starts. You may end up upgrading on the offensive line because you had one of the top five recruiting uh, offensive line halls in the history of modern right. recruiting two years ago, and you had a, another really good one this past year. I was going to say, they continue to get better on the offensive line. They're Big recruiting humans. very well on the offensive line. This is the year for it. This is it. And you got a good yep. coach yep. in Kyle Florida, which we all agree is a damn good coach. So this is the year, to me, the offensive line really asserts themselves and not necessarily really mattering how dominant and elite the skill positions are because that group right there should be mauling up front. Oh, my goodness. This is yes. the year for it. This is the time for you to take off. And we did not see it in the Alamo Bowl, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. But Kim Kardashian, Nick Minas, Serena Williams, Cardi B, size, Megan the Stallion, size. but is that now you got an offseason and you'll have spring to get it all together. I'm expecting that group potentially 
to assert themselves as the identity of the offense. Yeah, and and they need to. They do. They need to. They got the talent. They have to dominate during the spring game. They mm-hmm. got to dominate the entire time. And if we don't see that type of leverage, because remember, for a first couple years, they were using just one offensive line during the time of the of the spring game. Yeah, two years now ago. Now they got the depth. Yeah, two years ago they didn't even have enough scholarship right. offensive linemen to have two different groups <laughs> right. of offensive lines. Yeah, you're right. Came a long way with those big humans. All For right, sure. Uh, coming up next, you got Ben McDonald. We got Ben McDonald, LSU great, who f- former number one overall draft pick in 1989. This is going to be great. He's going to break down LSU Tigers. Go Tigers, Tigers, as they like to say it in Louisiana. No doubt. All right, so we'll come back, talk about Texas LSU on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Line, 104. Now the horns. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks, but in front of y'all, I'm going to speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problems. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to the Top of the Charts Tuesday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy, Harbaugh Harge. You can follow me on Twitter at Harbaugh Harge. You can follow my man, Rod Babers, at Rod Babers. And you can follow my man behind the glass, Patrick Davis, at It's Patrick Davis. And we also love it when you're part of the show. You can hit us up at uh, on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. And joining us right now on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, since we're talking about Top of the Charts Tuesday, this is a Top of the Chart draft pick, number one overall in the 1989 draft by the uh, Baltimore Orioles. He pitched at LSU. He was an Olympic gold medalist. He was the Golden Spikes Award winner in 1989. He was inducted into the College Baseball Hall of Fame in 2008. He is one Ben McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben McDonald. Hey, Ben, what's going on, my man? How we doing, Hard? Everything good, man? Everything is good. There's just a little ball game that's going to be going on uh, right up the road here at Dishfalk, where LSU Tigers, who is number one in the nation right now, are coming to play the Texas Longhorns. And somebody asked me a question earlier today, and I wanted to ask you that before we get into it. Did you and Kirk Dressendorfer battle each other at the College World Series that at one point was the most attended uh, baseball game at the College World Series? I think I know we picked against each other, and I want to say you're right, Hards. I want to say that it was uh, the most attended baseball game at the time. Obviously, I was an All-American. He was, too. He was a hell of a pitcher at Texas, and uh, I used to be a fan of his just watching him because he would punch guys out left and right, too, you know, so I couldn't help but watch uh, Dresseldorf pitch. That's right, and they're finally going to uh, um, retire his jersey a little bit later on this season, long overdue, and as you know, he was one of the best competitors, just like yourself. And there's a possibility, and I want to get into this because we got a chance to work this past weekend over at uh, Dell Diamond for the round, Carbock Round Rock Classic. It was brought to you by D1 Baseball. And we were talking about it a little bit. There's a player, Dylan Cruz, I mean, uh, yeah, that is the center fielder for you guys that has the possibility of being able to go number one overall. The last person to do that at LSU Oh, it's Ben McDonald to go number one overall. <laughs> Think about that. Let people know exactly what you see when you see Cruz out there in center field. Well, he's just a different kind of dude, right? Like, like he's one of the, the, the types of talents that come along that normally don't make their way to college ball. 
Uh, a talent like him, I can remember in the LSU uniform last was Alex Bregman. You know, Alex Bregman was not supposed to come to LSU. He hurts a thumb leading into his senior year, and it drops him in the draft a little bit. In high school, you know, he says, I'm going to LSU. Dylan Cruz could have went late in the first round, but he really wanted that college experience, and so he comes to LSU. And I'm going to tell you, Hard, ever since he's put an LSU uniform on, he has been outstanding. He's played outfield, uh, you know, left field one year, right field one year, and I've been in center field the last couple of years. But it's a unique talent, you know. And we talk about five tools, and we, and we try to throw that term around, I, I think, a little bit too much because there aren't that many real five-tool dudes out there. But he's one of them. Like, like he can hit for power. You saw it this weekend. The ball just thumps off his bat. He can hit for a high average. He can really run. Like, he can go in the outfield. He's got a strong throwing arm. The glove is good, too. So, he's just really one of those dudes. And, look, he's been that. What impresses me is he's been that guy since he's been 12 years old. Like, he's always been Team USA guy, you know, whether he was in high school or Little League coming up and even in the college national team. And he's always performed well. He's answered the bell. He's a leader of a team. He's what you look for in a pro prospect. You know, now, Wyatt Langford over at Florida, might have something to say about that number one pick, you know, and and our boy down Dolander down in Tennessee, uh, the pitcher down there, could might have something to say about that too. But Dylan Cruz is a uh, he's a rock star, you know, he's one of the best players in, in the college game. And every time he shows up, so do the scouts. Uh, I've seen him every weekend, and I've talked to a bunch of scouts about him, and just the way that he carries himself just shows that he's a pro's pro, and that's the impressive part about him. But he's not the only one on that team that's got some thump. There's a lot of players there that bring a lot of different aspects to the game, and another one that's been getting a lot of attention is Trey Morgan. You and I saw him playing a little bit of left field, but he's one of the smoothest first basemen that are, that is in the game. Oh, no doubt. If you talk about defense around the first base bag, uh, there's not many better than him over there. And, he, and he's been that way, too. You know, freshman All-American uh, his first year. Look, this cat, his freshman year, hard hit 400 in conference play as a true freshman. That's how good he was in SEC play. Uh, that was the second-best mark in all of SEC baseball a couple years ago. Now, numbers weren't quite as good last year, but right. he played banged up. He had a he had a banged-up knee pretty much all year long. He couldn't push off of it swing, but he still hit like 310 last year in, in, a, in a hurt season for him to get on the field every day. You know, and he's a difference maker around first base. Now, he's going to play a little outfield from time to time when you want to get Jared Jones over at first base. Tommy White, as you know, has been nicked up a little bit, so it's mm-hmm. kind of moved LSU's defense around a little bit. But he's a, he's obviously better at the first base. But, look, he's a heck of an athlete. Like, he was a good pitcher in high school. He can really run. Uh, and so you could stick him in the outfield in the pinch when you needed to. And who knows where he projects out at pro ball. He could be a left fielder in pro ball, but he'd be very valuable either way. If not very often you can take a guy that plays first base, you can stick him in the outfield. He'd play outfield, too. And so I think that just adds value to him. But, yeah. He's been around the block like Dylan Cruz. He's been a, a three-year starter for LSU. And this is an older team than LSU, although they run out a couple of freshmen from time to time. Mm-hmm. It's a little older team, you know. And it, this could be their year to make a little bit of noise. Look, it's been since 2017 hard since LSU's made it to the College World Series. That's the longest stretch I can remember in a long, long time at LSU. And so I think the boys are hungry to get back to Omaha uh, I think Jay Johnson's done a phenomenal job in his second year uh, as LSU's head coach, and he's hungry to get this LSU squad to Omaha, too. Yeah, we're talking to lifetime LSU Tiger, number one overall pick and big-time pitcher Ben McDonald, who covers the um, 
the LSU Tigers like nobody's business. So I wanted to ask you this, Ben, before we go over to the Texas Longhorn side of it. I wanted to ask you about the pitching staff. Obviously, that's your position. That's what you understand the most of. You understand the game, and you love talking the game, but you really hone in on these pitchers. You brought in Paul Skeens from from Air Force. You have some other guys, Walker Little from Vanderbilt. I mean, excuse me, Christian Little from Vanderbilt. And you have some guys that can really go out there and throw at Chase Shores, Riley Cooper. It goes on and on. And they all have big arms. What do you like most about this pitching staff? Well, I, you know, when I look at this LSU team compared to, you know, let's say the last three or four years of LSU baseball prior, you know, after going after that 2017 appearance, I just see depth, right? I see depth coming off the bench. First of all, I think Jay Johnson can match up some guys sitting on the bench. If they change pitches in the middle of the game, he can go grab a couple guys and match up. I see that from a pitching standpoint, too, where there's a lot of depth. You mentioned Christian Little. I mean, I'll tell you how deep LSU is. Christian Little didn't even pitch at the Round Rock Class. Right. You know, they didn't need him. You know, he didn't pitch. And so it just goes to show you how deep they are. Where in years past, LSU's not been like that. So I see some depth. I mean, Paul Skeens is a real Friday night, lights out kind of dude on Friday night. He's an ace. He's going to be a first-round draft pick if he stays healthy. Uh, he may just be right behind Chase Dolander as far as the best college arm out there right now. He's been up to 99. He can bring it. Uh, you mentioned Riley Cooper. I don't think Cooper stays, to be honest with you, hard in that rotation. I think he's too valuable out of the bullpen for LSU. Three different times last year in conference play, he pitched all three games of an SEC weekend out of the bullpen. So I think ultimately that's where Jay wants him to end up in that bullpen. But I think the guy you're going to see tonight for LSU and Thatcher Hurd has to take a big step forward. Thatcher Hurd transferred to LSU out of UCLA where he had a really good freshman year. He hurt his back last year. I think he was a number, like number two rated right-handed pitcher uh, his senior year in high school, coming out of the state of California. Like, he's a real dude. But he wasn't, he wasn't very good his first time out against Southern University. I think they're going to wait to see how he pitches tonight. If he pitches well tonight, I would not be shocked to see him go into that weekend rotation for LSU, but he's got to pitch well against the Horns. It's a pretty hostile environment over there. Obviously, the Horns aren't swinging it like we saw them swing it last year yet, but it's still a tough place for a busy team to go and win. There's been a lot of pressure on Thatcher Hurd to go perform well. You know, and then, of course, you look at the back end. Uh, you mentioned some of the other guys LSU has. It's just some depth in that bullpen uh, that they haven't had maybe in, in, in years past. You mentioned Chase Swords, a true freshman we saw on Sunday. He was up to 99. I think there's still a lot of work for him, but you can see it's a big upside there at six foot eight. Uh, it's a big upside for him. So, yeah, LSU's got some dudes this year, man. Like it, uh, I don't know if it's Tennessee kind of dudes up and down the, the, the lineup card, but as far as what they've had in years past, it's certainly a much deeper team, both position player-wise and pitching staff-wise. Yeah, no doubt, because I look through the roster and, and – Everything that you see, 6'6", 6'5", 6'2", 6'4", 6'6", 6'8". I'm just like, yeah. man, they're coming at you like a football team. As soon as you get off the yeah, bus, look, you want those guys you, jumping if, if out. A basket, if, if, a, if a pickup basketball game breaks out, LSU going to be all right. I'm just telling you. you know, like it's, uh, it's, it's like one of the most physical teams I've seen at LSU in a long time. You know, And I've said this about Paul Maneri. I love Paul Maneri to death, but it felt like there for a while – Paul was out there recruiting to tell his recruiting coordinators, listen, nobody comes to LSU that's bigger than me. Well, hell, Paul's five foot five, you know? And I was like, wait, man, where are all the dudes at, you know? And so, well, Jay's going out, and I think Jay's motto is, don't get anybody shorter than me. You know, everybody's got to be bigger than me. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's a, you know, you saw Jared Jones. I mean, Jared Jones, the freshman DH, like he's 
six five, two forty. Skeens is a monster. You know, Dylan Cruz. You go around some of the pitchers and that fry kid they got too. That's, that's getting a little playing time as a freshman. You know, he's six five, two forty. It's like it's very physical for LSU this year. So. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. They're off to a pretty good start. Yeah, they're definitely off to a pretty good start. And I wanted to ask you, what have you seen with the University of Texas? Obviously, we're here in Austin, so we see them a lot. But it's good to get a different perspective from somebody that knows the game like yourself. When you look at Texas on paper and watch some of their games, and if I'm not mistaken, you're going to jump on the telecast today with Zeke and um, Big Red today, aren't you? Yeah, Zeke and Zonk, man. I, I, look, look, the last time I was there is the last time LSU played Texas in a three-game series. And I sat in between for three games, uh, Zeke and Zonk, and, and, and Texas just beat the hell out of LSU for three games. I mean, swept them. And I had to sit there and look. What made it worse is the cold front blew in hard, and I didn't bring enough clothes. And so you know what the boys did to me, right? They went and got me some burnt orange jacket to put on. He's like, well, you're either going to put this on or you're going to freeze to death. Well, I, I put the orange on. I was like, what the hell? Y'all killing us anyway. I'm going to pull the Texas now. You know, and so, uh, but that was the last time I, I, I actually was in Austin. I got to do, I loved it, man. I got to do three games sitting between those two guys. Yes, I will hop on, I think, in the third inning. I talk a little Texas and LSU baseball, you know. I haven't seen Texas yet, man. I just kind of. Been catching some highlights a little bit here and there and following their stats. But, you know, what's different so far, you know, catches can always pitch, man, and they can always play defense, it feels like. They're always one of the top, you know, defending teams out there a little bit. When I look at the University of Texas, I see the defense is off a little bit this year. They've already made 11 errors, and that's not like a Longhorn team. Typically, like last year, for instance, they fielded 985. They're fielded 958 this year. So that's different for me. The pitching staff still looks good, though. The ERA is solid. I think they got some. Some, some pretty good dudes in there. Now, what's concerning when I look at Texas is the offense, right? So far, they're just not scoring many runs right now. And, now, of course, it's early. Look, it's only seven games in. And, look, they started off with the University of Arkansas. Then they had to play Vanderbilt. I mean, that's two top five teams, right? Right. Right out of the gate, you know. And then they then Missouri, you know, had to play another SEC school. You know, they did better this weekend and knocked off Indiana two of three. And so, and they, they plan to play. Like, LSU ain't played a ranked opponent yet, you know, while – Texas, on the other hand, has played some real teams. And so that always factors into the lack of runs sometimes, you know. But I do see where the offense is off a little bit. I mean, as a club, they're only hitting 224 this year and they're only scoring about four or five runs per game, which is not anything close to what they did last year. Of course, when you lose Ivan Melendez, the best player in the country, and they, they, it was a big turnover. You know, they, they lost a, a lot of their everyday players. And, look, when you, when you lose a lot of guys, sometimes it takes – a little bit of time to kind of fill out and see whose roles are going to be what and, and maybe put it all together. they got a pretty new coaching staff as well. And so I'm not worried about Texas. I mean, oh, everybody in Texas kind of like down in Baton Rouge, like uh, there's probably a little bit of panic going on right now, but I wouldn't <laughs> panic on Texas. They'll, they'll, they'll get it figured out, man. They'll get it figured out. My producer, Patrick Davis, said that he was going to give me a panic button when it's time to panic. I said, hold off on it. Not time to panic yet. We still got some time. I'll let you know when we need to start panicking. That's right. That's right. Before I let you go, Big Ben, I wanted to ask you, you you went out to Steiner Steakhouse. I saw that you posted a picture. You went out there and had some dinner. My co-host, Rob Babers, is a big-time sponsor for them, an endorser for them. So tell us what you had out there and how you enjoyed yourself. 
Man, I tell you what, I, you know, I've been fortunate. I've been to a lot of steakhouses, man, and I'm going to be honest with you. The food there was second to none. The view hmm. from up top, I'm glad I got there. I'm glad I got there before dark because the view is second to none as well. Just a beautiful – and look, what topped my night off is Mr. Bobby Steiner, the world champion bull rider, hmm. came over to say hello. And I was, I was with my brother-in-law who – who rode bareback at the national finals uh, four different times. And I went three times to Vegas to watch him ride. So I'm kind of a rodeo fan <laughs> at heart. I really like the national finals in Vegas. But when Mr. Bobby Steiner came over, not every day you get to meet a world champion. Mm-hmm. And he came over to say hello. And that was a look, that's kind of like me meeting Nolan Ryan for the first time. You know, I'm a big baseball fan too, but I like my rodeo stuff too. And, and to meet Mr. Bobby was a thrill of mine. And so he sat down and said hello and got to visit with him a little bit. And, uh, he was a great host. And I told people when I went back, I told Kyle Peter, I said, like, KP, dude, I got the steakhouse. We got to go to the next It's like, there's not a better place around than this. I'm just telling you for the environment. It's beautiful out there. They had a little band going out there. They had the wood fire stove mm-hmm. going out there. Like, it, it was, man, I, I could hang out there a while. I'll be honest with you. Damn right. <laughs> yep. Well, nice. we're, we're glad. We- I'm going to tell you one more thing, too, Hard. One more thing, too, that was bad. Well, it was kind of bad, but it wasn't too bad. But every daggone bourbon drink I had tasted just like another one, too. I mean, it was good, there, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> that's, that's the danger of it, when it starts tasting the good, that's baby. Right. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I got to get out of here. Y'all going to – I got to call a ball game tomorrow. I got to get out of here, you know. So I, I hated to leave. I hated to leave. <laughs> Well, we're, we're, we're glad that you got a chance to enjoy Austin. Well, I appreciate the time that I spent with you this weekend uh, because I learned a little bit more every single day listening to you talk about the pitching staffs and the delivery of the pitch and where they need to spot up in certain situations. So every day I felt like I got educated, and I appreciate you taking the time, man, because every day you think you know something I about baseball. You. I appreciate you saying that, Harge. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah man, I just – I like to talk of the game of baseball, you know, and uh, from a pitching standpoint, from a hitting standpoint, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful game, and I'm happy for college baseball. It continues to grow, and so I'm fired up about that. Well, we appreciate you, and we'll get you back on a little bit later in the season as well because I want to see how this goes a little bit longer when you're talking about your LSU Tigers being number one. Let's see how long they can ride with it. Thanks again, Ben. That's right. All right, Hard. Y'all take care. Good talking to you. I appreciate Thanks, you, man. man. There he is, Big Ben McDonald, talking about his LSU Tigers. First pitch tonight, 6.30. What time is pregame, Patrick? 6.15, right here on 104.9 The Horn. Right here on 104.9 The Horn. I believe Craig Way and Ty Harrington will be on the call tonight. It's going to be a great call. Uh, Hopefully... It'll be a great game, yeah, too. No doubt. A, I, know I know it's going to be a damn good call. No but, doubt. Uh, let's make sure it's a, a good game as well. So good stuff there, Harge. We'll get that posted for all the folks who missed it on uh, the website at hornfm.com. Great interview there, breaking down Texas versus LSU. If you missed Harge Knock Life yesterday, go check it out as well. My man Harge did a breakdown about the Texas-LSU matchup that is really damn good as well. So we'll come back. We'll get into off the record. Dame Lillard's apparently one of his phobias. And I really don't understand it. We'll get into that. (laughs) And what may be the coolest damn bobblehead night in the history of American sports. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. D.D. 
Mangudu. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get they bring the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. A couple of quick stories before uh, we get to the 5 o'clock hour. So Dame Lillard scored 71 on the Rockets. I mean, he just lit. He just torched them. I mean, it was just embarrassing. But after in the postgame, he also was a, he also wore a, a, PV, a, Prairie, a Prairie View uh, sweatshirt, a PV, PV sweatshirt. baby. To kind of throw it in Houston's face, I guess. I don't know what that was about. Yeah. Um, but he also was drug tested right after his 71-point performance. The NBA drug tested him like, which to me is the ultimate compliment. It's like, you are so badass and so impressive. I don't think you did it on your own. I think you needed help. They right? did John they, Morant the same way. John Morant. Yeah. Uh, they did DK yeah. Metcalf recently. Yeah. NFL yeah. did him. I think it's a compliment, so I think the guy shouldn't be so offended by it. Here is, but, but something that Damian Lillard said when he was asked about the drug test that stood out to me. Here is Damian Lillard being asked about being drug tested after his 71-point performance. What was your reaction when you got drug when you got tested? I mean, honestly, I was like, are y'all serious? Like, I, I did the urine test yesterday, and then they backed it up with the, um, the blood draw tonight after the game. That was actually my first time in my career being tested after a game. And then aside from that, they know that I'm scared of needles, so... I know I got a lot of tattoos, but when you're doing the blood draw, it's different than it's different than tattoos. But I was, it, it brought me down from from here to the floor, all the way until it was done. And then once I finished it, I was like, all right, you know, I got that out the way. So, okay, he's scared of needles. He's got 18 tattoos, I believe. At yeah, but least. they ain't taking no blood out with that. Still, it trickles out. You gotta sit there for a long time with someone with a needle yeah. that is electronic, like. I'm sure he's coming in not at the sober state. I think his fear is, I don't know, maybe more of blood. I wonder if his fear is more of blood than his needle. I don't know. Needles. Just look the other way, man. And yeah, because so, needles. It's still that you, hey, man, listen. As somebody that works in the healthcare field that has gotten blood drawn quite a bit in yeah. my life, I don't like them things either. And I, I'm, I'm lightheaded <laughs> every time I go in there. He definitely has more than 20. There's no definitive number on how many he has. I don't know if he's revealed how many tattoos he has. Hey, he may not know. He's got so many of them. But, man, that's strange. They're scared of needles, but, yeah. man, it's tatted up. Yeah. All the way up. It's not the same. It it's, seems worse, doesn't it? To me, it's the, yeah. It exactly. seems worse. One is, one is for five minutes and one is for, I don't know, 45 minutes, however long it takes you yeah. to get whatever it is. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm with you. Uh, that was weird to me. Anyway, that stood out to me. Uh, also, Patrick, you found the story that I thought was really cool. Uh, so reveal it to the people about the bobblehead story. That's really cool. Yes, uh, the Braves have announced their uh, their bobbleheads for the for the year. All their giveaways. Yeah, and the one giving away May 25th, Outcast. Well done. Yeah, that's a beautiful Two idea. Both boys in the car, big boy and Andre oh. 3000. In the car. Yeah. That's going to be a sought-after bobblehead. Wearing two different Atlanta Braves jerseys. So it's just a good look on them. That's going to be a sought-after, man. Oh, yeah. If you read the comments, most people are like, you tell me the amount, I'll just send you a check. You just write (laughs) it whatever amount you want. I agree. No. So what's the – okay, so bobbleheads are mostly a baseball thing. Right. Right. 
I'm yeah, sure I mean, that happens in other sports. Like the Spurs mostly. have been giving away base. Yeah. Spurs have been giving yeah. away. They, the Spurs did a cool one this year that I didn't realize what it was okay. until the end. But they basically gave away for 50 years. It was George Gervin, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Monte Ginobili. But when you put them all together, they're on a float on the on the Riverwalk. Oh, they were so, like separate so pieces the of bases a puzzle? of them. The bases Whoa. of them are all one float. I didn't realize it until I saw them all together. Well done. So I thought that was well done. That, that is if you collect really well all done. five, you can put them together, and they're like on the Riverwalk float. For the championship, yeah. Who I, has that one? All you go. So you, I, you can you see have my office. All? I have Tim. I have Tim in my office. You, that know, I got you don't here. have all of those. I do not oh, have. You got to get all those. Bro. I know. But the Austin Spurs haven't sent me nothing. <laughs> but I talk about the Spurs the most on Austin that Radio Airwaves. Cool. So that's what I want to know. Then, um, Longhorn fans, because professionally this happens a lot. You don't see as much in college at all. What would be the long, the coolest Longhorn sports related bobblehead you could ever receive? Yeah. I mean, because I don't think they ever do it. I don't think I ever hear about any Longhorn-related bobbleheads at any sporting events. I mean, the one that everybody's going to talk about. Yeah, I'll it just had to be baseball or basketball if you did it. If you if you do that, well, not necessarily. Well, yeah, because I mean, football football too many. No, I mean, no, no, they could say first ten thousand. I mean, could. we could do Doak yeah. Award That's winners. That's fair. Yeah, we could do Doak Award winners. I would just say like I'm just saying like the the amount of people. Yeah, the amount of people. But he's right. You can just give it up to the first fifteen, yeah. twenty thousand, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. that's my question. What would be the coolest bobblehead you could receive as a Longhorn fan? What's a cool bobblehead idea? I think for the Texas one, sports. Earl Campbell, Ricky Williams, obviously Vince Young going towards the corner. Yeah, I guess Patrick's right. Just do your dope walkers. Yeah, the yeah. dope walker yeah. won't be good. Yep. Yeah, your Heisman ones will be good. Yep, and then of course your of. what is it? Your national be- champion quarterbacks or oh. players on that team. I mean, because you I mean James Street, you still got some yeah, of the old say, heads will be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I like yeah. that. I, was, yeah. I wonder how. Yeah, you, we're going all football, but I mean, you can go a lot of. Yeah, we know what it's going to be. It's just going to be Matthew McConaughey. We all know <laughs> what it's going to be. <laughs> it's just going to be the minister of it's culture. Just, it's just gonna Dude, be. We don't have a minister of culture bobblehead already. It should happen. Yeah. Willie, you know, Willie Nelson bobblehead has got to happen around here. Oh, should, you know CDC, that's more bobblehead nights. Come on now. Bobblehead Knights work, would work with Texas Longhorn fans. Yeah, for they're sure. They're sentimental. They're extremely yeah, sentimental. I know, I know they've done this year, at least <laughs> at least for the uh, the students, they had pajama pants nights. They gave pajama pants to yeah. everybody. They had yep. like pom-pom nights. I'm down they've with They've had a number of shirt nights. And yeah. then like, so they've done a number of stuff like that, foam hand nights. See? You can do some cool stuff like that. They can figure it out. Someone says, Ricky smoking a J. Okay. Come I, on, man. I would like that one, though. See, yeah. The problem is, <laughs> the problem is right now, with, to get two of those. With, with, <laughs> with basketball and baseball, we're selling out every game. Yeah, there's no, there's no so incentive. There's not incentive. You're not even incentivizing anybody. Yeah. It just, it's, a, it's a prize. It's something cool. Yeah. Collectible for low reward, fans. Reward your season ticket holders. Yeah, reward the, the really loyal fans who are yeah. like, no, I'll go there three hours early for a bobblehead of a great player. And anyone who happens to be courtside working as well might as well give them something, too. <laughs> I like that. I would like a bobblehead like of all the great coaches in Texas sports history yep. and I almost do it like uh, your San Antonio Spurs idea where they're all kind of hanging out somewhere all of them you're you know what I mean like yeah. your Derek I'll, I'll Rose, give you an easy like one too Eddie Reese can we, like get, a, kicking it. Can we yeah. get a Bevo bobblehead yeah, that I think that's happened that, already I think yeah, we, we have had, a Bevo bobblehead so I seen that. we have one in here I thought or maybe I used to own one I've seen a Bevo bobblehead I don't know where I got it from though there's definitely been. Well, I don't know if they gave it away in the sports yeah. event, though. I might have got know. it from oh, right know, here. Sue Patrick or something. I have no idea. It, oh, no, 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 no. You mean like I the want actual, the actual oh. I don't want to hook them. No, you want to hook You want a Bevo. I want a Bevo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 I want yeah. one that is the the actual 
The actual uh, Longhorn. That's different. Okay. Well, that one. I'll talk to Ricky. You doing the I'll talk, most? I'll talk it. to I'll talk to South, I'll talk to softball Ricky about that. All yeah. right, we got we got to go to the break. We're a little late for the break. We'll come back. We'll talk a lot of NFL news notes and nuggets right here on Ball Don't Lie One Four Nine One.